Candid Catholic Convos, a program brought to you by the Catholic Diocese of Harrisburg. Our mission is to humanize the church and help you to grow in your faith, love, and understanding. I'm your host, Rachel Trochet, a cradle Catholic who's only human and struggled with faith on more than one occasion. Each week, you'll hear engaging, down-to-earth interviews and actionable strategies you can implement into your life with ease to help you grow closer to God. If you're ready to open your heart and step fully into the person God created you to be, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hello, and thank you for joining me for another episode of Candid Catholic Convos. May is the month for a lot of things. It's the month of Mary, Mother's Day, Mental Health Awareness, and it's the start of summer with Memorial Day. Did you also know it's National Foster Care Awareness Month? There are currently over 407,000 children and youth in foster care. And the month of May is a time to acknowledge foster parents, family members, volunteers, mentors, policymakers, child welfare professionals, and other members of the community who help children and youth in foster care find permanent homes and connections. Today, I'm excited to speak with Gwen Pfeiffer, the Program Director of Catholic Charities Adoption Services and Specialized Foster Care, to learn more about this program and how we can get involved. So Gwen, thank you so much for coming to the program. I'm really excited to have you here. Would you mind telling me a little bit about yourself and how your faith kind of led you to this position? Sure. Um, I have been working with children and families in a variety of capacities since I got out of college, which is now a number of years ago. (laughs) And, you know, just I think that I grew up in a family that was very dedicated to service and to helping, um, you know, the community. And and I think over the years, I just continued to, you know, want to help the community and really focus on children and families. So um, when I went forward and, and got my degree in um, social work in, in my master's program, I focused on children and families and their clinical needs and just really continued that throughout my work. So um, here we are um, working in adoption and foster care since 2008 and um, have had a variety of positions with within um, Catholic Charities Adoption and Foster Care, and now am the program director. So I oversee both programs, which are, you know, and I, I know we'll talk about that a little bit more, but which are related. So that's awesome. So for those who are unaware, like I was, how long has Catholic Charities been involved in adoption and foster care? So believe it or not, we've been doing adoptions since the 1930s. Wow. So it's been quite a while. Um, And then foster care, not until the late 70s, early 80s did we start um, with foster care. But we do, as you and I were talking before we started, you know, we do have records for that we keep for 100 years. It's what the law requires for the adoptions that we do. So our storeroom, our record room is quite full at this point. That's amazing. I can't believe you have to keep them for a hundred years. And the fact that you have enough records going back that far just blows my mind. Right, right, right. Some of the early records are if uh, younger people won't 
have any idea what this means, but they are now on microfiche. So back in the days when you you had to have the machine and, you know, feed it in. Like and you see in the movies. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so we actually have a microfiche machine so that we can read some of these older documents. Wow. Yeah. That is incredible. So it's called Catholic Charities. Are these services only available to Catholics or are they non-denominational? Right. So Catholic Charities um, really – provide services to everyone regardless of their religious faith, their background, or, you know, any of those things. So we do, um, you know, it really doesn't matter. I know a lot of people do call and say, you know, I'd like to be a foster parent or, you know, I'd like to um, look at adoption, and but I'm not Catholic. You know, can we still use your services? So, of course, you know, we're, it's certainly not limited to, to those who are Catholic. That's great. That's something that I think a lot of people don't know and probably should because just because Catholic is in the name, you know, I'm sure that there are faith-based aspects to the organization, but it's not, well, if you're not Catholic, then goodbye. (laughs) Right, right. I mean, our, you know, of course, our motivation is to serve our community, in this case, you know, children in need. So, um, you know, we look to do that in the best way possible and um, you know, working with different kids and, you know, different families is really, you know, the best approach to making sure it's, you know, the best that we can do. Absolutely. Can you explain what foster care actually is? Sure. Yeah. And it and it does get confusing. A lot of people call me and they want to help, but they're not really sure what any of this stuff means, um, you know, and, and there's a lot of details. So foster care, what, what we do is... Um, County Children and Youth Agencies, and every county in Pennsylvania has a children and youth agency, they are charged with the welfare of children. So if they um, are working with a family or they are notified of a family that needs assistance or a child that is being abused or neglected, then they're required, of course, to investigate and see what's going on. In some cases, they need to remove the child or children um, from the home for their safety. And this is always considered a temporary removal, except in very rare cases. Um, while the family, while they assist the family in, you know, in parenting skills and whatever they, you know, might need, um, drug and alcohol, it just really depends on the situation. So when those children are removed from that home, they are placed into foster care. And some counties still have, uh, still work with their own foster families. In other words, they train and certify foster families and work directly um, with them. But many counties now don't. And so they contract with affiliates like Catholic Charities in order to, you know, certify families, train families, um, you know, look after um, children that are in foster care. And so they will contact us and say, you know, there are, you know, there's a brother and sister pair, you know, we, we have to remove them or we have just removed them um, from their home. Do you have a family that can meet the needs of these children? And so if we do, of course, we, you know, let them know. And then if we, we don't, then they, you know, continue to look um, at, at other foster care agencies, if that makes sense. So that's really in a, you know, a nutshell kind of how the foster care program 
works on a day-to-day basis. And so our motivation is really to continue to work with families in the community and certify families, which is not an easy uh, task for families to kind of, you know, get through all that, but so that we can have as many possible homes um, that might be a resource to kids that need to come into foster care. That's fantastic. And I like that Catholic Charities is able to provide a lot of what these families need. And I'm assuming the foster care program is designed to get the children back to their families? That's correct. So in almost all cases, reunification with their birth families will be the goal. So while the um, the families, the birth parents probably in most cases, are getting the help that they need, we are also working with the children in tandem with the county children youth agency to provide the services that the children need. So it could, you know, obviously be arranged from, you know, school services to mental health services to, you know, really just good, safe homes with good parenting. You touched on this a little bit, but how, how or is this different from government-based programs? This is really, like I said, has become, we've become contracted with most of the children and youth agencies in our surrounding counties. So we actually work hand in hand with the government in order, when you look at it that way, in order to provide the care to children that is needed when they come into foster care. Um, So it's not an either or, it's a together. That's right. That's right. Gotcha. Yeah. That makes more sense now. So how does someone become a foster parent? And you mentioned training and certification. What what all is involved? So that is a good question. And, you know, of course, we always want to encourage families that might be considering um, ways that they can help, you know, to reach out to us and, and to think about, you know, sometimes this is a process of thinking about, you know, do I want to do this? Is this right for myself? Is this right for my family? Am I the right person? Um, you know, that those kinds of questions. And we can help families answer that as well if they, you know, are able to contact us. But what they need to do is really just get started in our training program. So we provide upwards of 24 hours. Um, It ends up being around 30 hours of training for families to become certified in um, as foster parents. And that sounds like a lot, and it is. (laughs) Um, But I will say, most families, as they go through this, say, oh, it wasn't nearly as bad or as grueling as I imagined it would be when you told me that large number. Um, and I think the reason is because they there really is a lot to learn in um, how the system works, what a family's role might be in, you know, helping, you know, many of the needs of the children in care. There's, you know, there's so many different issues that they may be confronted with. And we do like to provide as much as we can in terms of, you know, knowledge and resources about some of the things that they might confront. So it's a lot of training, but it's, it's, I will say it's doable. Since the pandemic started, we, as many, um, different agencies, you know, we had to get creative and start figuring out how we were going to continue to certify families and work with with families and kids. So we now provide our training um, on Zoom. So 
Families can do this in the comfort of their own home, which makes it a little bit easier. Um, we do like to have small group trainings if at all possible. So we try to coordinate, you know, at least a few families to get together to do this. Um, and they can provide, you know, kind of resource for each other too as they go through it. Um, we, we meet typically, um, you know, five times. There's some additional um, training that we ask families to complete on their own, you know, at their convenience. So it's really all said and done, not too difficult to get through it. And then, of course, there's there's some other things that they need, like they need background clearances, just like you do with, you know, helping at church or doing kind of anything these days. So they'll, they'll need that. And, um, you know, just some other items like homeowners or renters insurance, you know, their car information, those types of things they have to provide us. Again, you know, it, it looks like a long list and it, it you know, feels... Um, I think before folks get started, it can feel kind of daunting. Um, but most of our families say, you know, it really isn't as bad as I imagined it would be. And once they're certified, there's really not a lot more that they need to do on that front. Um, maintain, you know, training hours. Um, and we do provide training um, most months of the year. Um, and then some additional training that they can do. And, you know, just kind of keep up with some basic paperwork as they move along. That's awesome. I love that the training is sort of like multifaceted. So like you get, if you need the online version, you know, you can do it through Zoom. You can also have the, the group settings, which I'm sure provides a lot of support for these families who are all, probably all going through the same yeah. thing and have similar questions. And we do, the group is really, it's like through Zoom. So we oh, don't, nice. uh, I mean, except for, um, you know, getting together occasionally. We don't really meet in person. I mean, we do as staff, but the um, foster parents that are in training aren't meeting in person anymore. But most of them say that they like the way, you know, through Zoom and that connection that way. I was going to say it's probably really convenient. It is <laughs> so convenient. And then as they move along, they do get to know one another in the program and, um, you know, we're able to link families to provide support for one another and that kind of thing. Very cool. <clears throat> so switching gears a little bit, what does the adoption process look like and how does Catholic Charities facilitate adoption? Yes. So um, as some people in our diocese may know, our adoption program has really changed quite a bit over the last few years. So um, we, of course, since, as I mentioned, have been doing infant adoption since the 1930s. So we transitioned out of that a couple of years ago. And, you know, that was that was a bittersweet change. You know, it was difficult to sort of say goodbye to that after so many years. But we also knew that the, the primary needs in adoption were the children who are currently in foster care. And some of those will, you know, some of those children will not be able to return home. And in those cases, will need a permanent family. And so that's really the focus. And we knew we needed to kind of focus on that in our adoption program. So that's now what we do when we have a family that says, um, you know, look, I'd like to adopt a child. We explain to them what the needs are and, you know, what we do. Um, and so we we provide a resource for families to connect with kids who are in need of permanency. And the other side of that is that most of our families will also be foster families and just 
open to adoption, and that's the bulk of our families. And so if there's a child um, that is with them that ultimately isn't able to return home, they can then be that permanent resource and adopt. Um, and you know, we do periodically have those situations happen. So we work with um, the Statewide Adoption and Permanency Network, which is the some umbrella organization in Pennsylvania that really works on permanency for kids in foster care who need permanency. We can receive, you know, a lot of information through SWAN, as we call the Statewide Adoption and Permanency Network. We receive a lot of information on kids that can then be matched to our families, and we can review that and see if those are good matches. On the flip side, families can always look at the children who are on the SWAN portal or this, not the SWAN portal, but the exchange. So adopt uh, PA kids is where they can go looking uh, for kids who are available. And they can then let us know, you know, look, there's a child on adopt PA kids that I'm interested in learning more about. And so then we can go and, um, you know, talk to their caseworkers and find out some additional information that way. So it sounds kind of complex and convoluted, but it's it's really not. We do, you know, see our foster care and adoption programs as really working hand in hand because most of our families, as I said, will be um, open to foster care and open to adoption at the same time. That's wonderful. And I love that the state and the organization work very well together. I mean, most times you hear about it, it's very like one side doesn't talk to the other, but it sounds like that they work very nicely together and everybody just kind of finds this groove to do what's best for the child. And I love that. Yeah, for sure. I would say that um, SWAN does provide um, so many trainings for both our our staff, um, our caseworkers, um, you know, that are in this field, as well as for families. And that's really nice. They have four conferences a year and families are always invited to attend those. Um, just a, a lot of resources and a lot of training. I think there's, you know, we're definitely learn every day uh, more and more about the needs of kids and, um, you know, learning how to find the resources for these kids and the families for these kids. Um, and it's not always a straight line. It's not always, you know, an easy, you know, this child matches wonderfully with this family. Here we go. You know, their um, families really just need to be flexible and open. And that's, you know, often can really match with a child in need. And um, and they never would have thought that that would have been the child that they would have matched with when they started the process. Right. God is full of surprises sometimes. Exactly. <laughs> so are there any requirements for potential adoptive families like there were for foster families? Yeah. So that's a good question. So we really um, treat our adoptive families and our foster families. As I said, they're, they're typically the same folks, but we treat those um, requirements the same. So we you know, make sure that when we do what's called a home study where we, you know, review a family and, and meet with them and, and that kind of thing, that we're really getting all the same information regardless. Um, so we take a pretty holistic approach. Again, you know, it does sometimes seem like a lot, but we will definitely hold your hand as you go through this process and try to make it as simple as possible. Awesome. So there's support wherever 
Absolutely. You go home. Absolutely. And, you know, I always say to families, email me, call me, you know, let me know if there's a question about any of the things, you know, that, that we're asking you to do. Um, and when we meet with families to um, interview them, we, you know, always say, this is really just getting to know you. We're not the, you know, the, the, the old classic kind of social worker, you know, that comes and checks for dust in the house and that kind of thing. You know, we're looking for real families because every family has its um, ups and downs, its challenges, and often families that, you know, will have challenges um, and are able to get through those can be wonderful resources for kids who also have challenges, so they can really relate. Um, so, you know, I'll have families that call me and say, well, we had this issue 15, 20 years ago. You know, would you still let us be part of your program? And, of course, depending on the issue, but, you know, I always remind families, you know, if you have been able to succeed and get through, you know, some challenges in your life, then you're probably a, a really good candidate for some of our kids who who really need, um, you know, parents that are have empathy and understand where they're coming from. Right, right. You never underestimate the power of empathy. Yeah. I love that. What if years later, adoptees want to reconnect with their birth family? You mentioned that Catholic Charities holds on to a lot of the records. Mm-hmm. Is there a way for them to get back in touch if everybody's agreeable? Yeah. So typically nowadays, um, adoptions are open Um, Certainly, if you adopt from foster care, you're going to have some awareness, uh, background of the birth family. And so I would say most of those kind of adoptions are open at least to a degree. There's some knowledge, some history that, you know, families do have and that their children will have access to. We know that it's better for most kids to have that um, family history and to maintain some degree of contact. Um, There are, of course, some situations in which it's not advisable, um, but those are pretty rare. And we do have uh, the ability if, um, let's say, there's a child that was adopted and we have people call us and email us quite a bit about this, but let's say they were adopted through our infant program or you know, potentially even through foster care many years ago, before things were as open as they are now, um, and they want to get records. So they have the ability to do that. And so, you know, we would, they would do what's called a search. We call that a search service. Um, And we do provide that as a service to, you know, adults who were adopted through our diocese. And, In addition, in more recent years, we now have the ability, if a birth parent had placed their child for adoption years ago through our infant program and also wanted to, you know, do a search um, for their child. And a search could mean, look, I just want to get information. Or a search could mean I'd like to have some contact with them. We can also provide that service now to birth parents as well. So, you know, I would just encourage people if they are interested in learning about that. Um, They were adopted through, you know, the Diocese of Harrisburg or they placed a child through our diocese, you know, just to give give me a call and I will talk them through that process. So um, some some of those cases can be very, very interesting. Finding information 
or connecting, you know, a birth mother and their child. Um, you know, they can be really interesting uh, situations. And sometimes, you know, people will contact us when they're going through a change in their life. It seems to be pretty common. You know, maybe there's, they've recently gotten married or maybe they've recently had a child. All of a sudden it makes them think about their history in, you know, a bigger, broader way. And so they will contact us and, and start that process. That's really cool that that service is available because you think like old school closed adoptions, that that's, that there's still a distinction between a closed adoption and an open adoption. Now it seems as though Catholic Charities has moved the direction of they're somewhat open, especially since a lot of the kids are adopted out of foster care. Mm -hmm. But for those before in the infant program, that there's still a way if they choose. That's pretty cool. That is, that is right. And I mean, I will say sometimes we um, will search for six months or more and are not able to find the relative that they're looking for. But the majority of times we are able to, and um, at least often start with, you know, here's, here's your family history that we have on file. We can, you know, share that information. Right. Give you a direction to to go in. I love that. Where can we learn more about these programs or apply to become a foster parent or an adoptive parent? So um, I would say people can go to our website. It's Catholic Charities Harrisburg. So it's cchbg.org and they can just click on that. It does have our phone number or contact information, email. They can certainly pick up the phone and give us a call. I think the easiest way that, um, and I tell people this when they when they email me, I say, hey, you know, do you have any time to talk on the phone? Because I'm a little bit old school, but I often find that it's much easier to convey the some of the complexities of the program or help families figure out, you know, what might be right for them or whether this, you know, could be right for them um, by talking through some of it and, you know, where they're coming from a little bit easier than emailing. But certainly, you know, however people want to reach out to us, you know, we'd love to hear from them. Awesome. And I'm a little bit old school, too. I find it sometimes it's a lot easier to pick up the phone than it is to send an email. Right, right, right. If I don't want to become a foster parent or an adoptive parent, but feel called to help somehow, what are some ways that I can get involved? Yeah, I would say, um, you know, go to our website. Again, if you're called to donate to our program, you know, that's always, you know, a wonderful gesture. We very much appreciate it and very much, you know, in need of, of that as well. Or, you know, again, people can call and find out if there are opportunities that, that we might have. And those might change from time to time in terms of you know, donating some time or, um, you know, if there's any particular item that might be in need for a particular, you know, child in the program at that particular time, we certainly would, you know, be happy to have and have had many generous people in our community, um, you know, do that as well. I love that. Gwen, thank you so much for your time. I really enjoyed talking to you and I feel like I learned a lot about this arm of Catholic Charities. So thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening. Our goal at the Diocese of Harrisburg is to walk with you on your faith journey. So if this episode resonated with you in any way, the easiest way to show your appreciation is by sharing this program with your network 
or by leaving a review on your listening platform. You can also support us financially by making a donation online at hbgdiocese.org slash DAC and clicking the make a donation button. Thanks again, and we'll see you at church on Sunday.